people are just tired of coming to a place where they feel like all that happens is that fire gets called down on them. Welcome to the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast, where we talk about how you and your organization can take your next step in your leadership journey. Let's get to it. Well, welcome to the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast, where we believe your church can grow, your church should grow, and your personal growth and development as a leader really does make a difference. Um, I'm recording from my home. I typically record from the office, but on the past few episodes, I've recorded from my house. And so I say that because I have a dog. His name is Chance, and he loves to play fetch with the tennis ball. So we took a few minutes to play fetch this morning, and now I'm recording the podcast, and he's not really happy about it. Um, In fact, he's kind of whining, and he keeps bringing the tennis ball and dropping it. So if you hear something in the background and you go, oh my gosh, that's not really professional, you're right. (laughs) You're exactly right. And Chance will be okay. He's a dog and we're going to play fetch. Today's podcast, I want to talk about two main... I want to to use two words to launch us into a conversation on how to prepare better messages. And this is if you're a a senior pastor or a youth pastor or you're having to give a talk or a presentation or a keynote um, to any group or organization. And the two words are this, fire and rain fire, and rain. Now, several years ago, I was on a trip to Israel, which I believe is one of the most beautiful places, if not the most beautiful place in the world that I've ever been. And I was standing on top of Mount Carmel. Now, if you're a Bible person, you know that Mount Carmel is one of the most famous uh, places in the Old Testament because of a major miracle that took place there. Elijah in 1 Kings 18 called down fire from heaven. I don't know about you, but there's been a couple times in my life where I wish I had the ability to call down fire from heaven, like when you're in traffic or um, when you're behind the coupon lady at the grocery store. Um, don't don't judge me because you've thought it. <laughs> you've thought it too. But it was it was the miracle. Fire from heaven is is a pretty big deal. In fact, it was the miracle that had everybody in awe. And for a brief season, it really did change the tide on who was going to be the primary focus of worship in Israel. They kind of fell back into bell worship after that, and there's a whole another conversation that can take place around that. But Here's the thing that I started thinking about that day when I was on top of Mount Carmel. I'd never really thought about this before. The the entire nation of Israel, the the land in the time was in a drought. In other words, there had been no rain or even dew in the land for around three years. Now, I don't know where you live, but I live in South Carolina. And in South Carolina... We love to shoot fireworks. We love for any occasion. It doesn't matter. We're just going to blow stuff up, right? And um, I love going and getting the bottle rockets and all that stuff. But 
if if it hasn't rained in the South, um, they put a ban on fireworks. And and the reason why is because if the land is too dry, fireworks could start a major fire. So circling back around to this idea, if the land has been in a drought, what's the last thing in the world that you would want to fall from the sky? Let me answer that question for you. Fire. And if the story would have ended here, I mean, it would have been a good story, fire falling on the land, but they didn't need fire. They needed rain. And because God is into great, not just good, we see the story continue in 1 Kings 18, where after the prophets of Baal are slaughtered, probably probably another story there, but after the prophets of Baal are slaughtered, Elijah climbs back to the top of Mount Carmel, and he prays for rain. Now, what's important is he prayed for fire one time, and it actually wasn't even that long of a prayer. It was just a few sentences, and fire fell from the sky. But when he started praying for rain, it didn't happen as quick as the fire. In fact, Elijah sent his servant back to the top of the mountain seven times going, all right, I'm praying, go look. I'm praying, go look. I'm praying, go look. And on the seventh time, the servant came back and said, I see a cloud forming. So, so, so don't miss this. Elijah called down fire, but he knew what the people really needed was not fire, but was rain. However, he had to work seven times harder for the rain than for the fire. Now, the reason this stuck out to me so much is because in preaching and, and communication, it's easy to call down fire on our people. It's easy to like let them have it and tell them what they've done wrong and how to sin, don't smoke, don't drink, don't chew, don't go with girls that do. But one of the things that I've realized, especially in this past season of, of my life, is that a lot of our people are showing up every week to church dry and dehydrated um, because the world just sucks the life out of us. And if we call down fire on them, we, we will literally burn them spiritually. What they need is not fire. They need rain. But in order for us to bring rain as speakers or communicators, it takes work. In fact, in order to bring rain, I've discovered it, it, it's like seven times harder. But if that's our calling and that's what people need, then we've got to do our best to make it happen. So how do we make it rain in our churches? <laughs> how do we make it rain? I've got four questions that I've asked that I put in front of me that have helped me. And my hope and prayer is today that as you prepare talks or messages or series, that they will help you as well. Question number one is this. Have I prioritized making an appointment with myself? Have I prioritized making an appointment with myself? The reality is this. If you're a leader, if you're listening to this podcast, you don't just have a lot of extra time laying around. In fact, you're probably listening to this while you're on a run or mowing the grass or in your car. And it's because you don't have time just to sit and take in the words of the soothing voice of Perry. No I mean, that's not, 
not what's happening. And because we don't have time, um, um, and because if you're in ministry especially, you're in a profession where there are always demands on your time. There's always an emergency. There's always a phone call. There's always a text. There's always an email. So for me, I learned several years ago that if if one of my primary focuses is actually preaching on Sunday or bringing the presentation, and that's going to be one of the things that I, that, that's one of my top two or three things I've got to get done, then I've got to make an appointment with me, and I've got to put it on my schedule. Now, uh, people have asked me, well, when should I schedule that appointment? My opinion, and this is just my opinion, every single day. I have an appointment on my calendar every single day with me. And you don't have to put appointment with me. You can just say meeting. I would tell you the best time to do it is when you're the most fresh and creative, um, when your mind is the sharpest, when you can think the best. And then whenever that time is, guard it with pit bull tenacity. So for me, it's early in the morning. Um, I work from home for the first part of the day, and that's designed on purpose. I get up around five, and from about, you know, actually 4.30 to 5, 4.35 up until about 9.30 or 10, um, that time is usually guarded, and um, very rarely will I check email. Uh, very rarely will I check text. Um, very rarely will I interact on social. I'll put a post out, but that's about it. Um, I've got to have, I've got to have zero distractions. Um, I hardly ever go to breakfast with someone. If someone says, "Hey, can we grab breakfast together?" I'm like, "No," because number one, I'm just going to do a protein shake, and number two, that's an hour, hour and a half where where the, of my most creative time. Now, I'll do lunch and dinner and coffee or whatever. But for me, breakfast is just off limits, and it's not because I think going to breakfast with somebody is a sin. It's because that's my most um, valued time. Now, how much time should you sit aside in the morning? I, I don't know. It depends on you. I would say at least an hour or two. And during that time, what I do is I preach the message, then I preach it over again, then I tweak it, then I preach it, then I tweak it. And, and I don't believe, I heard a guy um, say one time, I forgot where he was. He was like a super smart intellectual guy, and I'm not one of those. For every minute you plan on preaching, you need to spend an hour in study. All right, I, I, I think that's a bunch of crap. I don't believe that at all. That's that's that statement was made by somebody who obviously has no life. I mean, it's just it's just horrible. So. I don't believe that, but I do believe it's worth the time, and we're not going to have the time unless we make an appointment with ourselves. Number two, what is the major takeaway I want for the listener? In other words, what, 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 what do I want them to leave with? Do I want them feeling like they've just sat under fire being called down or rain? Because at the end of the day, I've got two options. People can leave thinking, wow, my pastor is super smart, super godly, and I could never measure up. Or they can leave with a thought of, I can do that. What, what he or she just said to do, I can do that. A lot of people are leaving churches today because they feel, it's not because 
Um, they don't believe in God's word anymore. It's not because they don't crave community. We crave community now more than we ever have. I've read uh, study after study that talks about we're, we're more connected on social, but people feel more lonely today than they've ever felt, and they want to have community. However, I think, um, I don't think I know, people are just tired of coming to a place where they feel like all that happens is that fire gets called down on them. We pick the hot topics and we go off and we scream and we shout. And at the end of the day, I know the reason we do that because I used to be in that mode too. We do that once again because it's easier to bring the fire than it is to bring the rain. And when we're bringing the rain to people, it's not just telling them what the Bible says, but it's actually showing practical application of how they could work um, or how God can work in their lives. For example, one, um, one thing I taught recently at Second Chance, the church I pastor, is on the subject, Jesus, teach, I, I taught our people to pray, Jesus, teach me to see people as you see people. And then I walked about, I walked through, you know, forgiveness and, and things like that, but how it all begins with a prayer of Jesus, teach me to see people as you see people. Now, what I could have done is said, you need to forgive the person that hurt you the most, and you need to forgive them right now, and if you don't forgive them, God doesn't love you, and the devil is inside of you, and you're demon-possessed, and... <laughs> And um, that's pretty extreme, but that's what some people would do. But you know what? It starts with a process of why, while somebody might be sitting there struggling with, I don't know if I can forgive that person because they hurt me so deeply, they do know they can pray, Jesus, teach me to see that person as you see that person. And we know that's the beginning of the process. Another example is I talked recently on what, someone needs to do to connect with God. And, and I said, you know what? Find out what connects you with God the most and do it for five to 10 minutes a day and, and see what happens. Um, because at the end of the day, I've learned that if it's our goal as the, the communicator to appear smart or holy or awesome and we're always the heroes of our story, we will disconnect. But if it's our goal to bring some refreshment in somebody's life, um, we're much more likely to hit that goal and much more likely, um, in fact, that's a great prayer for us to pray as leaders as we're getting ready to preach the message. Jesus, teach me to see the people I preach to like you see the people I preach to. Question number three, question number three. And uh, this was one that I avoided for a long time, is am I willing to get input? Am I willing to get input specifically on the message? One of the most difficult things I've ever done was place a team around me, presented my outline, and actually got them to give me input and insight on the message. Um, now, two reasons I didn't do this um, at first. The first reason was, um, I wanted to be the hero. I wanted to be God's man. I wanted to be the guy that brought the message and people just oohed and all over it, um, which that's kind of pride, which, which that's wrong. You shouldn't do that. The other part was insecurity. 
Um, I was really insecure on somebody would say, well, I don't like that or I don't understand that. And because of that, I was just like, I'll just do it by myself. But I learned slowly but surely after putting different people around me that they would see the text from a different perspective and they would see the message. Like, for example, I never will forget one time I'm in a message prep meeting and um, a lady spoke up and she said, Perry, I love this message. This is super wonderful. Um, but this is the third football illustration that you've used. And I know you love football and my husband loves football, but but maybe you could use a different illustration here. And I just asked her, I said, okay, that's, that's a great point. What illustration would you use? And she said, well, I would use an illustration about this. And I would say this. And I wrote everything she said down and I used it. And I was able to connect better. It didn't change the text or the substance of the message. It just changed the way that I said it. It, it. You bring people that are younger in the room. In my case, there's not many people older, but we bring them in the room. You bring married people in the room. You bring, bring single people or divorced people. And they're all going to view the text from a different vantage point, and it helps us to be able to connect with more people. Now, uh, people have asked, what should the size of this group be? I would say no more than seven to eight people. After that, anything any, anything more than seven or eight people, um, it the, the group is dominated by one or two people and everybody else just nods their head. And if you bring seven or eight people into the room and somebody doesn't contribute after several weeks, you got to replace them. Um, the, the meeting should take about an hour. It should take no more than an hour. And, and whatever you do, just don't, don't chase rabbits. Just deal with the subject and keep going. And number four, this is the fourth question that, that we need to ask if we're going to be rainmakers in the church is, am I doing all that I can to be as fresh as possible on Sunday, or if you have a Saturday night service the weekend. Am I doing all that I can to be as fresh as possible on Sunday? I think there's two types of tired, and this is a whole other talk for a whole other time, but there's responsible tired and there's irresponsible tired. Irresponsible tired is I went to a concert Saturday night, stayed out till three, and I got to get up and preach the next morning. All right, well, that's that's your fault. That's my fault. We shouldn't have done that. Responsible tired is um, we, me and my wife just had a baby. The baby cried all night, and now I got to... Okay, that's, that's different. But the, overall, the question is, are you doing... Am I doing all that I can to be as fresh as possible on Sunday? Because here's the deal. When we feel like hell, we'll make our people feel like hell too. And... <laughs> And th- and there's some Sundays that it's, you know, we just wake up sick or we didn't sleep or whatever. But what can we... So, for example, l- let me just say this. I go to bed early on Saturday night. I'm going to make I'm gonna make sure I'm going to get a proper amount of sleep. And so I'm going to try my best to get in bed as er- you know, at a reasonable hour. Then on Sunday mornings, I'll get up. Um, I will... Uh, I, I will, you know, read my Bible for a little bit because that's how I connect with God. It doesn't make me a holier person or anything. Then I take my dog for a walk and he, you know, he pees and poops. And that's, man, that makes me happy because he's doing it outside and not inside. And then I go for a run. And I don't, I don't run fast or I don't run far. I, I knock out about six miles, which for me is um, just a, a pretty easy run. But what it does is it gets my 
endorphins flowing. It gets my and I listen to worship music the whole time, so it kind of puts my mind in the in the right place. And and then I'm totally ready to bring the message on Sunday. Now, for some of you, if you got up, um, and I get up around four, by the way, but if you got up at four, ran six miles, um, you would you, you might not make it. I don't know how to crack it. I'm just saying you're not new to running. I I I'm just saying that's what works for me. So what works for you to put you in the best place? possible so you can be at your best on Sundays to bring the message. Proper sleep, proper nutrition. Listen, I could do a whole thing on nutrition and how important that is for us because you what you eat on Saturday night and all day on Sunday while you're preaching, it it's literally gonna it's it it's gonna what you eat is how you feel. And once again, I think I've came up with four podcast ideas during this podcast. Anyway, um, but you've got to be the one to figure this out. What puts you in the best frame of mind and best condition physically to bring the message that you're going to bring? Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, none of us want to bring horrible messages. None of us want to just beat people up all the time. None of us want our people feeling discouraged. And the best way to do that is to bring not the fire, but the rain. Um, Hope you've enjoyed this edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. Can't wait to see you. Um, it, it, It might be not quite two weeks. We might have some special stuff coming up on the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. So hopefully you're subscribed. And if you're not Go ahead and subscribe, subscribe because we wouldn't want you to miss just, you know, the potential things that might be coming out in the next week or two. Hope you guys have a fantastic, fantastic day. Hope you've enjoyed this podcast. The best is yet to come. Thank you for listening to the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. We hope you had a blast spending time with us. For more thoughts on leadership, visit Perry's blog at perrynoble.com.